This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. I'm Ramia Amadin in Toronto. He's on main campus, and we're settling back in with another full hour of content. So, did you remember to spring ahead? I didn't remember a thing. It just, like everything I own is digital, right? It just does it itself. Uh, and the next day, for several hours, I forgot. I was just sleepy and tired and all the rest. And then um, I think around noon is when I realized, oh yeah, no, I'm justified. We sprung forward. Um. Yeah, I, I just think it's so funny. Uh, no, everything springs forward. I find so many times we react once we know something. You know, it, it, oh, gee, I, I'm hungry. What time is it? Well, it's 12 o'clock. Oh, I yeah, must no be hungry. No wonder. Yeah, exactly. So, you, but you yourself, world, your body and your brain said, hey, man, something doesn't, it feels off a bit. I had to get up early anyway, right? lost that hour. Yes, I lost the hour. I stayed up late. It was all the above. I mean, with or without time change, I would have been tired. Just saying. Once you realize, you feel a little better. You feel a little bit more, like, validated. I was in a play once, and I think it's awful to be in a play during the time change. When oh, that comes yeah. because there's usually one person. Uh, it, this is the days when you had to change things and physically do that. And there's always one person who forgets. And when it comes to call uh, before the show, that person is either, yeah, man, I've been waiting here an hour. Where are you guys? Why were you guys late? <laughs> Hey, we've or, had the miscommunications with uh, Fern Lullum from the yes, UK who joins us. Date. Absolutely skipped yes. segments in the past because we forgot to inform her. She's forgot to inform us. Yeah, and because Let's they make sure that doesn't happen in the UK this time. Uh, at a different date. Yes, yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. man, but yeah, it, it used to be much more trickier. I think now. I think our devices, thank goodness, help almost all of us. Folks, speaking of showing up and telling us a little bit about what's going on. Especially in this new time, you know, as we sprung forward, we uh, always on uh, Mondays welcome in one of our community reporters, Annette Dennis, today from Southwestern Ontario, joins us. Annette, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing okay. Happy Monday to you both. Thank you for uh, being on track and springing ahead (laughs) and being on time. Um, Let's talk about Healing Garden and Spaces, Annette, for your first item. Yeah, so this sounds like a really uh, fun event, and I have a bit of a a sad, happy um, story behind this. Um, I checked on the weekend, and the original workshop was sold out, so I was a bit disappointed and like, oh, but then when I checked this morning, they added a second new date, so the original date was sold out, yeah, so I will um, get that info to you, but so the new date is for Saturday, March 25th at 1.30 p.m., and like you said, it's called Healing Gardens and Spaces. And it's uh, taking place at Hemans, which is located just outside of London in Thorn- Thornhill, Ontario. And uh, the cost is $10. And as you both know, plants and gardening uh, can be beneficial for one's mental health. And so in this um, one-hour seminar, which is going to be led by a professional landscape designer, uh, participants will learn a little bit more about bringing that healing um, intention into home gardens. Um, they will, folks will be inspired with an introduction into sensory gardening, spaces for meditation and yoga, labyrinths, uh, herbalism, um, forest bathing and earthing, and just basically areas uh, for solitude, you know, to, for solitude and contemplation. Um, and everybody who, who does attend will get a $10 voucher that they can spend in store. Um, and it just, you're not allowed to, to, to spend it on food and drink, but obviously products. So right. It sounds like, you know, that's kind of a neat, a neat little incentive to, to get your it money. It does. Um, or it's a, um, a product, yeah. It sounds great. And, and Heather's um, running this. And, and my question here, Annette, it looks like what you kind of are inspired to create. I love the fact that it takes the personal. Because we all know your garden is just as much a personal space, really, as your bedroom or your kitchen. It, the way you want it. To be the sounds, the smells, everything like that that you possibly, to your best, can can control. And it sounds like when we talk about healing and just getting that chance to de-stress or whatever it might be, um, you definitely need to curtail your garden like this. And this is what she's got a handle on for us. Absolutely, it sounds like a, a really. It sounds like she's going to be covering a lot, so it should be really, really interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and I think whether you know whether you have a space. To, to do an outdoor garden, even if you, you live in a small space inside, I'm sure you can have a lot of takeaway from it. And um, 
you know, you can even bring it indoors if you want. Um, yeah. From so places. personal, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so folks, um, you, you just need to go and register and pay online and it's heman.ca, H-E-E-M-A-N.ca. Or if you have any issues, you can call 519-451-1416 and the link um, to register is, will be up on your blog as well. Awesome. Cool. cool. I love um, I love the connection between, you know, how you can appreciate meditation and uh, all the things around you when you're outdoors, right? Like the forest bathing and all the other um, concepts when you're actually outdoors and out and about uh, and how to then implement that into your home gardening and your mm-hmm. your personal space. So that's really Absolutely. lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that connection. So let's talk about kind of in the same realm of outdoors and appreciation for things, nature, virtual bird sound, bird song series. So this, um, I know we've talked about this before. I think I I mentioned a one hour virtual workshop, but I thought this one was really, I just wanted to share it because it's a bit more um, expansive that way. So this is an online um, via Zoom uh, virtual course, and it's brought to you by the Arboretum out of the University of Guelph. And so this is, um, these uh, webinars will take place from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays starting March 20th through April 5th. So they're kind of like a noon hour lecture series. And if folks um, can attend because of their work schedule, uh, if you do register, you, you get a link later. So you have a couple of weeks to catch up and watch it again or or that sort of, sort of thing. Um, so the cost is $8 per session. Uh, plus HST, or if you register for all eight, you get a discount, you get one free. So instead of paying the full price, you you pay for seven as well. Um, and so this is, and it says it's for, for you know, whether you're, I, I know we've talked about this for, before where you get kind of perplexed, you hear a, a bird singing and you're like, well, what is that bird? What, you know, what's the name of it? So whether you're brand new to birding or, or you know, you want to do a refresher, it sounds like this is a really good fit. Um and the person that's leading it, his name is Chris Early, and he's the Arboretum um, Interpretive Biologist, and he's also published five bird field guides as well. Um, so it sounds like it will be like a really covered a lot. I think it says here um, they're going to cover 100, over 150 bird species. Ooh, wow. Um, and we'll focus on the songs and some of the common distinct uh, calls that they have. And as well as, as learning to apply different methods to remember, you know, which, mm-hmm. which song goes with which bird. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to teach you how to do some of the calls as well, which I find really fun. Very interactive. Yeah, yeah. a couple of the descriptions. So if for, for each noon hour session, I'm sure they're going to fly by, but each course will start just a short introduction topic about birding by ear um, and before diving into each, each uh, uh, topic um, for each bird species. Um, and how to how to make the calls, how to read a sonogram. I'm not sure what that means, but um, make up your own personal to memorize the bird songs. And it sounds like kind of like a, a translate from bird to English sort of thing and, and how to make <laughs> up little little sayings and expressions so you can remember, you know, the bird song and how to, to recognize it. Yeah. Um, what a cool thing, yeah. right? If you were with a group of people who are vision impaired in some capacity or blind, what a way to go out, you know, where other people say, yeah, I'm part of a bird watching group. Yeah. I'm a part of a bird listening group. Right. And to go oh, to different absolutely. places and listen and discuss it and stuff like that. You hear that? You hear that one? Yeah. I mean, I, I used to love reading birds the best I could. And years ago, it seemed to be the thing to do. And so easy because, well, Hey, lucky enough to be blessed enough to have, you know, my hearing and, I think that is one of the most wonderful things to do. So this is really cool. We'll put that up on the blog, mi.ca slash Kellyco. Um, Annette, you want to get into your third item, which I know a lot of people seem to be interested in. Well, unfortunately, um, plane crashes, plane events and stuff like that. Uh, Let's talk about Lawrence Station. Yeah, so this is a new place. It's called Lawrence Lawrence Station, um, the crash of American airline flagship Erie. Uh, and then this is a new play written by Len Cuthbert, who's a local playwright to our region. And I believe he's also a historian. He, he does a lot of plays that focuses on local history and events. And um, so basically the, the brief description is uh, when American Airlines flight one crashed on Thompson and Viola uh, House uh, farm on October 30th, 1941, the residents 
of Lawrence Station, Ontario, and the, the surrounding areas um, attempted to rescue the 17 passengers and the three uh, flight crew. Um, and at the time, this was Canada's worst um, disaster, aviation uh, disaster. Um, and this, like I said, it's a new play, and it brings to life the stories that were introduced um, by those who attended the, the, the final flight of uh, flagship theory. Um, so this is actually, it's going to be scheduled, there are going to be three, they're mounting it in three different places. So it's going to be at Southwold Keystone, which is in Shedden, Ontario, Friday, April 14th at 7, uh, and Saturday, April 15th at 2 and 7 p.m. And then it's going to be, um, oh, I lost my spot, sorry. And then it's going to be mounted in Gemini uh, Sportsplex, which is in Strathroy, Ontario. And that's going to be Saturday, April 22nd at 2 and 7 p.m. And then it will be in at Manor Park um, Memorial Hall here in London on April 28th at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday, April 29th at 2 p.m. And people can buy tickets online or pay cash at the door. Beautiful. I mean, not so much the disaster, of course, and but the stories <laughs> and, and what people will yeah. share. But a wonderful traveling event to let a lot of people get a chance to experience. I think that's great. Annette, fantastic stuff to bring to us. Appreciate it. We'll put that up on the blog, ami.ca slash Kelly Co. and talk to you next month. Okay, take it easy, guys. Nice talking to you. You too. Uh, really wonderful stuff in the report. As mentioned, you can check out the blog because we obviously understand you're not going to remember all of that stuff you know, when, when our community reporters visit with us, which they do on Mondays and Tuesdays, and a couple also join us on a couple select uh, Wednesdays through the month. We have a lot more program ahead, folks. Registration is open for this summer's Advo Camp at Lake Joe. Devin Wilkins, she's going to be here in a couple of moments and will fill us in in her guide dog report. We'll talk to her after this break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Are you a student from the disability community? Apply now for the 2023 AMI Scholarship Program. Selected entrants receive a $5,000 bursary and a queen-size temper cloud mattress. For more information, you know where to go, folks. AMI.ca slash scholarship. Kelly McDonald here in the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan hanging out on main campus in Toronto at our head office. And we have a regular Monday rotation at this time for you. First Monday, we check in with our CNIB uh, Smart Life friends. And second Monday, which is today, we get into our Guide Dog and Service Animal Report with Devin Wilkins. Do you have a soft spot for dogs with jobs? I'm Devin Wilkins here with the latest news from the world of guide and service dogs. Devin, how are you? How's the time change treating you? Well, I'm glad we had a, a, a night or two to kind of um, get ourselves used to it. I, I needed that. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm still needing that in this moment. <laughs> Devin, uh, lots to get into, and unfortunately, so much of today's updates are really just, you know, who didn't, uh, who had to struggle through not being permitted to do something or get on something because <laughs> they uh, had a guide dog. So unfortunate. Let's start with a Toronto woman with a disability who says that flying Air Canada made her feel like a, quote, unwanted burden. And this is from CBC News. Yeah, that's a pretty damning uh, assessment, actually. Yeah of Air Canada's uh, treatment. She, uh, this lady is Georgia Pike, and she's a graduate of York University. She was traveling on her way back from Phoenix to Toronto, and she got only partway through security because the uh, airport worker couldn't take her all the, the rest of the way because she didn't have priority boarding status. And uh, when she asked where she should go, she was told over there. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, you might as well talk uh, 
in a foreign language, uh, if you want to say over there. Uh, anyway, she finally arrived at her gate 90 minutes after she checked in, uh, which isn't uh, too good. Um, and uh, she was following um, the security person who was assisting uh, people using wheelchairs. And um, the security person was not talking very positively uh, to, uh, to people using wheelchairs. And uh, when she landed in uh, Toronto, uh, she was the last to get off the plane. And she was told she had to wait to, uh, so that the uh, crew could deboard, um, so that the security person could lock the doors of the uh, the plane. And uh, on the way through customs, she once again heard uh, staff saying to people that most people could walk if they wanted to, but they wanted priority instead to get through. This was fast. overheard? Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Okay. I know. And uh, when, when she was finally outside, uh, a security person told her that... Um, the cab wouldn't take her because the dog wasn't in a cage. Now, how on earth was poor Maggie supposed to guide her in a cage? I with mean, wheels on it, right? Of course, there have to be one what with wheels on it, Devin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, like, there's got to be automated cages on wheels now. Um, you know, know, it's interesting, too, because you hear so many of these conversations, and all you really stop and think is, are you guys that fed up with your job? And we understand because we've heard the stories for the last couple of years how the airports are a mess that way. But it's phenomenal, Devin, when you get this kind of thing going on because you, you know you're caught up in, I don't want to do my job. I'm frustrated. Yes. Just let me get Google under control here. Hey, Google, stop. <laughs> I was wondering who the other yes. voice was. Okay. Right. You know, I know, um, I don't know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's the only thing you hate. Uh, that. But, you know, you feel like you're caught up in, in their job complaints? Yes, I know. Yes. And if uh, if that is not what they want to be doing, then they shouldn't be doing it because the customer shouldn't have to be uh, burdened down with uh, with their complaints. No, no, it's it just be it gets beyond what you think and what we should have to. Well, not we, just people should have to put up with, especially when there seems to be no care. That hey, man, this could make me miss a plane. This is an inconvenience. Not to mention how you make me feel like a problem. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah. of feeling, speaking of sorry, Ram, do you want to jump in? I there? just wanted to comment saying that it strikes me that you know this is a real over a blanket statement of Air Canada, but also, you know, the compounded responses of everybody throughout the day, throughout her entire experience, right? From yep. security to the person um, helping her over to the airline itself, like the actual flight, and then the cab, you know, all of this in one day just must be exhausting for people to put up with. And this is just one example, one of many uh, where people feel like this if not on the daily, so often, you know, it's it's amazing to think people would even go out with this kind of response. And where do you start to complain yeah. when it's everyone? Right. No wonder she felt like an unwanted uh, burden. Oh, right. yeah. Yep. yep. And yeah. speaking of that, let's talk about your next subject because we've got something really similar. Toronto man says he was denied a taxi ride due to his service animal. Yeah, and uh, his fun evening that he had planned with uh, friends got ruined before it began. Sven Ditty uh, wanted to spend evening with a friend. And um, when he called Beck Taxi to order a cab, uh, he did tell the dispatcher that he did have a, a service dog. So he did his part. 
Uh, But when the cab driver finally got there, he uh, refused to take Sven because of the service dog. And uh, the dog was wearing a vest like uh, he is supposed to. And uh, Mr. Diddy showed the documentation like he was supposed to. But they actually have a video that they showed on uh, cp24.com telling the driver uh, that it was uh, the law that it, that he had to take uh, the the service dog, and the driver is quoted like is heard on the video to say, "No option, it's optional." It's so showcases the ignorance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and how many more times are cab drivers? security people, et cetera, going to be allowed to get away with stuff like that. Period. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the thing is, <laughs> before it used to be the question of, do we know our rights as people with disability, as people with service animals or guide dogs? Do we understand the legal implications of somebody refusing your uh, attendance, right? Now... Yeah. I'm actually loving that it's the pushback that we're talking about. You know, I'm telling you, I know that I'm allowed here. I don't need to be feeling this way. You cannot refuse me. Um, and yet it's the, the drivers, the service providers who are like ignorant, unsure, not aware of the consequences. And that means that we need to get to the top, right? The top side of the problem and say, why are you not training your people? Why are they not aware of what sh- will happen to the reputation and the service if this keeps continuing. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't seem like the provincial governments are taking uh, a strong enough um, stance on things like this because it's been years now since Mm -hmm. service dogs have been in society and helping people to uh, make their way through society and uh it's it's just inexcusable yeah that and, and, uh, and, the training isn't better and, and that Devin, the, oh go ahead sorry uh that the training isn't better and, and that the consequences aren't being enforced like they should be well, and we always talk about do laws have teeth, who's going to do the enforcing. But the other area where usually things make more of a impact isn't working either. The, the media, the fact that, you know, you're seeing these things, these people are being told you're off air, you lose so much money because we're not going to be taking calls for eight out, whatever it might be. Some companies yeah. are doing this. You would just think the word would get around. And I'm yes. not going to suggest there aren't companies that just kind of poo-poo it or, oh, well, or whatever, you know, go yeah. through it. But I've heard of a lot of stories where people are reporting, where they are getting the media attention, where companies are kicking guys, ladies, whoever it might be, off air for a period of time as punishment for this, for, for, for ignoring the law. And it's still happening. Where you would think, don't you care about your money? Don't right. you... You know, so either, you know, and one could say, well, are they just not hearing it? Well, apparently, according to the training, they're getting trained that they have to accept. So you've got all these things that may or may not be happening. But it's pretty scary to me that the one thing people see and hear mostly, the media isn't even working. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it just goes back to exactly what you said, Devin. It means the consequences Mm -hmm. are not dire enough. And unfortunately, you know, we had so many uh occasions where we're just talking about uber and now we're talking about cabs too like i I thought cabs were doing better unfortunate okay let's talk about something cool that people can look forward to after all this sucky news uh which is the advocamp at saint or at lake joseph today not today this year and if people want to check it out where do they go what is it about All right. Uh, It's going to be taking place from June 8th to June 12th uh, this year at uh, CNIB's beautiful uh, Lake Joe. And uh, it brings guide dog handlers together from across Canada to learn advocacy skills. 
And uh, one of the things that includes it, it's got two full days of adv advocacy uh, programming, uh, followed by a day, uh, a full day of workshops with CNIB's um, research team. And uh, topics included will be guide dog legislation, transportation, media training, uh, positive self-talk, and managing uh, interpersonal conflicts mm. and, uh, the, uh, and the social media. And there'll be lots of sports and recreational opportunities up there as well to uh, uh, get involved with and and get yourself some recreation going. Awesome. And workshops will include fitness uh, for the dog and you. Nice. Uh, grooming, obedience, and um, kind of a refreshing recall skills. Oh, cool. Uh, hmm. Shuttles will be, be available at um, no cost uh, to and from Lake Joe from both Pearson Airport and Union Station. Beautiful. The registration is $200 for the weekend. Amazing, and Devin. Pardon me. We're gonna we're gonna have to pause there, but we will put up all the information on the blog. And it sounds like they're doing a hell of a job making sure that they're this is a very barrier free event. Thank you and for all accessible. the news. Wow. Yes, thank you for all the news, yeah. Devin. You're welcome, and we'll see you next month. Yes, we will. Devin Wilkins joining us for our guide dog and service animal report on the second Monday of every month. And regular staple on our Monday program coming up next as we visit and uh, have a really important conversation, as they all are, with Danielle McLaughlin on Know You're Right in two minutes here on Kelly and Ramya. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Working our way through our normal Monday program, always uh, fun and a good start to the week right here, I may add. If you want to also give us any opinions, you know how to reach out to us, but you can also do that on Twitter at Kelly and Rumya. You can reach Rumya at All Rams on Twitter and myself at AMI Kelly Mac. Always love to get a chance to hear from you and visit and get into that conversation. Well, I would say, Rumya, as we talk about the gambit of conversations that we get privilege to have on our program. We're setting ourselves up for a tremendous one, as we uh, usually do on Mondays, a visit with Danielle McLaughlin. We call this segment our Know Your Right segment, and we bring her on and talk about so many different things. Danielle always has these wonderful topics for us to get into, so let's do it. Let's bring her on for Know Your Rights. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. So years ago, when we started doing uh, Know Your Rights and a few other segments on the Mondays, Ramya freely admitted, oh my gosh, the weight of this, the, the, the subjects, because there was always so heavy, but rum. I think Danielle and I both agree, you handle them so well with so much great oh. stuff now. But I think that's one of the things I hear you say when talking to people, whenever we get into conversations about the past of the show, how Mondays used to make you say, yeah, my week starts with a bunch of anxiety. Between Ron <laughs> Mellis on money and Danielle McLaughlin on rights, I was like, well, I don't know if I can get through the show. But yes, absolutely some of the most fascinating conversations we have with oh. you, Danielle. I'm really so relieved to, to hear that <laughs> because wow. we do often talk about some extremely serious issues. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have fun, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we still have Absolutely fun. Absolutely not. Oh, we do. Uh, Danielle, let's get into today's. Last month, the following a report written by two legal experts, the federal government announced a bill to establish a, a permanent commission uh, to investigate wrongful uh, convictions out there. Uh, Danielle, on, on the front of this, looking at it with first blush, is this good news? 
Well, I think it is good news. And, you know, like every bill that is that goes before Parliament, it's imperfect. So there are things about it that I think are, you know, if it passes, are going to be excellent and things that it has it has some holes right mm. places where what, like you, what it, it could do better well the thing that i like about it um is that if this commission or when this commission is established it includes a requirement to educate canadians ab- about its existence and about wrongful convictions you know a lot of the time um when somebody has been declared wrongfully convicted it's been not just years but decades in the making and another part of the issue here is that um numbers of people who've been wrongfully convicted who haven't they are factually innocent um have actually confessed to the crime so what we uh as a as a public, as as a bunch of, uh, you know, civilians here, what we don't know is how this happens. And then the second question is, what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think this commission will help us to understand what's happened and they will have the power to investigate um, where people have claimed to be wrongfully convicted. And I think that that is very good news. The things that are a little unclear is how much money, if any, will this commission have? Because it's not going to be cheap to to create the education component and also to follow up and investigate where there are claims right. of wrongful commissions. And it's going to be located in one place in Canada. Well, this is a pretty big country. And if we take a look at where the uh, previously existing um, wrongful convictions have happened there across the country. So, you know, yeah. if it exists in, in say, in, in Ottawa, which is what you sort of expect, it's going to make it difficult for people who, who don't live in Ontario, for people who live farther afield. Um, again, one of the good things about it is it seems that it will focus on wrongful convictions of people who've been marginalized for a variety of yes, reasons. Yes, um, yes, and we want to see those tentacles that are able to reach out there. And, and like you said, right. Danielle, we don't know how much money, how many people would be able to act or will they have the resources to hire lawyers or people to work on right. behalf of them, depending on where it is. Yeah, and one of the things that I that I find concerning is that they will only respond to uh, people's complaint that they've been wrongfully convicted on. It doesn't look clear to me, and I could be wrong on this, but it isn't clear to me that they will have the power to uh, instigate investigations uh, with their, uh, you know, on their own behalf. Can they say, um, you know, we've heard through the grapevine or, you know, it has been brought to our attention, however, that this person may have been wrongfully convicted. We we will investigate. It looks like it has to come through a uh, a complaint. And not only that, the person who is complaining will have to have exhausted all their legal remedies. So they will have had to appeal and appeal and appeal. Uh, um, and then only then will the commission be able to perform an investigation? And, you know, each appeal costs a lot of money. And that's another reason that people are wrongfully convicted because they just don't have the resources emotionally Mm -hmm. or financially forward. And while there have been pro bono um, organizations like the Innocence Project that have, uh, you know, worked very, very hard on behalf of people who've been wrongfully convicted, not everyone has been able to get access to that kind of organization or that organization. And, you know, lawyers, as we know, can cost a lot of money. So, um, yeah, these are so, you know, so it's good and there are are some problems. But one of the things that um, was created by Kent Roach and Amanda Carling, the legal experts that you, who you mentioned, plus two other law students from the University of Toronto was a registry of people who've been wrongfully convicted. And, you know, there are quite a few people who have been wrongfully convicted in this country. There are, so far as we know, 83 cases where it has been shown that people were wrongfully convicted. So 
to have a registry of this, these cases is extremely important. It will create an opportunity for people to utilize the information from the cases to inform further cases going forward. Um, it will also be something that can be added to an educational component where we can say, mm-hmm. look, you know, did you know that all of these people um, were wrongfully convicted? Um, the law will be named after the uh, uh, after David Milgard and his mother, Joyce, who worked so long and so hard to have his wrongful conviction overturned. Um, and again, he was in jail for an incredibly long period of time before that conviction was overturned. So, you know, in in some ways we are looking at good news and we're looking at the same news in in some cases, you know. Mm. One of the things that I found um, a little bit surprising, I mean, I knew these cases occurred, I didn't know in such a a large number, in nearly 20% of the cases, I think it's 18%, uh, where an accused person is wrongfully convicted, they have actually confessed to to the offense. So just off the top of your heads, why do you think anybody would actually do that? Oh gosh, there's so much pressure. I, I think that if you were in the position where you were dealt um, the options of, you know, say this, you get this, say that, you get that kind of comparison consequence, I think yeah. people more often than we can understand, believe, mm-hmm. or identify, people would go with the the, the confession yeah. just because of the pressure. Well, the pressure, uh, because they're young, Yes, they may have a mental illness, they may have an intellectual disability. Um, they may believe that if they say they did it, they'll be allowed to go home. Right. Um, again, the psychological stress is huge. They oh, just yeah. want to... They want to get out of custody and they think this is a good way to go about it. Um, sometimes they feel that they'll be charged with a minor offense and that if they plead guilty to a, a smaller crime, it will result in, a, in a, a, a lesser charge or sentence. And make things go away, really. That's right. That's this right. kind of confusion I've heard about a lot, Danielle, where you exactly. know, if, if you confess to one, then you might have a better chance of getting out. Yeah, you'll have less severe punishment mm-hmm. or we'll let you go home. Um, sometimes police, you know, make deals that are, are not good. Sometimes, even though somebody hasn't committed a crime, they may not have an alibi. Right. Um, and so they figure, well, I don't have an alibi. I might as well say I did it. Lost because case. I right. can't and, prove and, and that your I burden did of right. evidence is going to, and you're recommended by, your, you know, your representation that, you know, That's what right. we might be able to do because we're, we're, we're going in not able to necessarily we don't believe we'll be able to prove you didn't. That's right. And and sometimes they just have really crappy representation right. too, right? Let's I mean, get the through lawyers, this. That's not, right. Let's just, you know, or, you know, we're duty counsel. We don't have much time. Besides, somebody might say it's really not that major an offense. Um, you know, the m- many of the cases that we're looking at on this registry, we're looking at, at, at people having been convicted of murder. So that's a pretty major, that is the yeah. major offense. Mm-hmm. But Sometimes. But there's still the copping to a lesser, right? That's Which, right. again, In sometimes some it deals, sometimes you're yeah. talking, yeah, but I didn't do it. I wasn't there. Or it, it, it happened by total accident because, and, and yeah. yeah, but there, no one's going to believe that. There's so yes. many things that people are told and get in their head. Right. And sometimes people are, you know, are, are not in the country lawfully. They, 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 don't, they're, they are undocumented. And yes. they they think that you know if if they do this maybe they won't be deported, um, and that's that's one issue. And another issue is that sometimes they are convinced by the crown that they did it, or by the police, mm. even if they didn't do it. They you know they can be persuaded, sadly, that that they actually did. Um, and and that's for many of the reasons that that we have listed uh, earlier. Um, there's also something called a fictitious crime. Do you, do you know what that is? No. Okay, it's a crime oh. that never happened. Okay. So uh, one of the major uh, stories that came out in, I think it was in the 1990s, there was a, um, a, a man named Charles Smith. 
And Charles Smith uh, was a, um, uh, a coroner. And he looked at it, at places where a child has died under unexplained circumstances. Um, and he looked at these things. And in a large number of cases, he concluded that the child had been murdered. Now, he did this wrongly. And he made uh, suggestions to the police that they or he recommended to the police that they arrest. In many cases, it's, it was the parents of the child who died. There actually was no murder. The children had died of natural causes or of accidents. Um, the parents were not, uh, in fact, to blame. So these were crimes that never happened. Did he make and it yet, up? He, he now that's he a, drew it's a real conclusion. He drew conclusions. I see. Yeah, and also he had a kind of um, short-sightedness where he didn't believe children died naturally or died of accidents. And he believed that if you found that a child had died, there most likely was a crime involved. Mm -hmm. And so he would be seeking a crime. And this is a kind of prejudice that you sometimes see or or it's sometimes called tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. And you've seen this in in policing as well, Mm -hmm. where police have made a decision. And, for example, the Guy Paul Morin a famous case uh, uh, of a, a person who was wrongfully convicted, it never occurred to the police to look at any other theory than that he had committed a crime. Now, he hadn't. He was a something of an odd person. And because of his behavior being what they, they were unfamiliar with people who behaved like this particular man, they decided that must mean right. that he had killed this child. Um, right. He didn't. Um, it meant that another criminal went free because they had closed their eyes to what was really a- around to other bits of evidence that would have, you know, taken them I- in the right direction. So, you know, we, we've got the Charles Smith cases, and I don't remember how many, but there were quite a few of them. And there were parents who spent many years in jail being punished for a crime that never had happened and a cr- the all. most heinous crime, your own child. Yes. That's Being right. And can you imagine? People, the world believed that. That's right. The world believed it. And, it, and you know, even when people have been left, let out of prison, um, you know, there are still people who believe they did it, right? You know, you're right. not going to be able to change people's minds. So in many of these cases, these people's lives were ruined. I mean, it's isn't it enough to have lost a child? I mean, I can't think of anything more dreadful than losing a child except perhaps being convicted of having killed that child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this is really, um, in, my, in my view, an extremely important uh, new commission to, to be established. Um, it's not going to protect people from being wrongfully convicted on the face of it at the very first, uh, on the outlay of it, but it will provide a much faster way for people who believe that they have been wrongfully convicted to get access to some assistance and to oh, also Danielle, get access to justice. Will we see this also reflect on, especially for a person who says, I don't know, I was drinking that night. I don't necessarily know. Will we see them review the punishment fitting said crime? Because sometimes people get a heavier punishment than maybe what they, they should have if things were looked into a little more to say, you know, this was an accident, sure they were drinking, sure they were dry, whatever it might be. Will we see that covered this with this too? Well, you know, that that is my hope. And, you know, I can't answer that. But I can say that, you know, once that uh, accused person has um, exhausted all their, their remedies Evidence. and they still say, I don't I don't remember what happened. I can't believe that I actually did this. Um, they they should then have access to this commission, which will be which will have the power to investigate, which will have the resources, we hope, to perform an investigation and answer the question that you just asked, Kelly. Danielle McLaughlin, we talk with her every Monday on the program for Know Your Rights. Thanks, Danielle. Fantastic and crucially important conversation. Thank you so much. As mentioned, you can check out Know Your Rights when we get together on our Monday show or, of course, review it via the uh, podcast. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. We'll look at tomorrow's show when we begin at 2 p.m. Eastern and see what's up with the gang over at Now with Dave Brown after this. 
We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Thanks for being with us as uh, usual, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to have you on board wherever you're checking us out around the world, maybe via AMI-audio or over there at AMI.ca, right from the website, or across Canada on AMI-tv. Always love having you with us. Ramya Muth, and she's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here in London, Ontario at the home studio. So at this point, we like to remind you, you can check out any part of the show via the podcast by going back, subscribe, subscribe using your favorite podcast platform, or check out one of the repeats, 10 p.m. Eastern, AMI-TV, and on AMI-audio, 1 a.m. in the morning, AMI-TV, Eastern Time, and 6 a.m. in the morning, AMI-audio, Eastern Time as well. Ramya, a segment from today's show you'd like to mention. We had uh, Michael Babcock, and we have him every Monday joining us for tech. And we know how tech is very popular on the network. If you want tips about RIM uh, and their beta also, or not their beta, but their services also about Windows and Mac, um, Ira app that's now you know available on the Android, also coming to the iPhone. Um, and just all kinds of little tips snuck in there as well today. A quick shortcut for Mac users and closing all tabs. So check it out. Michael Babcock joining us and never fails to give us lots of things to remember and take home for tips. Danielle McLaughlin, you just heard her on the network if you just joined us, um, maybe finishing up. She was talking about the new register where if people think they're wrongly convicted, They'll have action they can take down the road. This is wonderful. Uh, yeah, got to exhaust a lot of your resources first. But there's so many possibilities, and we just hope it emerges really well And in that. But Danielle lays it out for us, talks a little bit about that, so you may find that a very interesting a segment may give you some pause for cause, celebration, or thoughts and suggestions that, of course, in time, we should all be able to make. Paul Daniel joins us. He's one of the producers over at Now with Dave Brown. Let's get a peek as we look in that window and look ahead. What's happening tomorrow, sir, on your program beginning at 9 a.m. in the morning? Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, our environmental contributor, Lawrence Gunther, will discuss the impact of warming temperatures on changing Antarctic ice flows and the impact we'll have globally. Nelson Rigo from the Cool Blind Tech will tell us how to use Apple Mail follow-up on iOS 16. And it's Tuesday, so we'll have our weekly news quiz with Alex Smythe, Jim Crisco, and from the HR department, Cassandra Chaddock as the contestants. Nice. I love it. I love it. I love when you guys bring on different people and, you know, the, the combatants get in there. Uh, Paul, uh, if you were a gambling man, who would you lay a wager on? One of the contestants? Listen, let me tell you something, Kelly. It's a well-known well fact, Kelly. These contestants, <laughs> the effects that these games have after in the, in the office space has still been still been discussed, okay? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why I'm thinking there. if you started that now, <laughs> said something, it would stir that up. If someone heard, did you hear what Daniel said on, on Kelly and Rummy yesterday about you? <laughs> he thinks you'll finish. I'm have HR my back. More, it's actually so. <laughs> quite unjust for Paul to answer that question anyway because he puts the thing together. Well, then he should know already who 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 has the best chance, mm -hmm. right? Is that what you're, you're saying? Killing, Is that why you're killing the reason why Don't answer any of these questions, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I think you could really shake up the pot, sir, if you do that. Just, you know, for, of course, the viewers. That's who counts. Remain nonpartisan. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm impartial here. I would never take any of her advice, sir. Get out of here, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care, Kelly. <laughs> Uh, check them out, folks. 9 a.m. in the morning. Lots of excitement. A lot of fun there. That It is a lot of fun as they round up the show, uh, getting in there and doing the, the quiz and everything like that. Uh, you've done that thing before, right? I have, and I'm wondering if I'm going to get invited now that we've said all this, and I hope not. I mean, uh, uh, No, nah, you get uh, invited back because you're <laughs> uh, uh, mediocre. I am on the daily roundtable, so I don't really want to take up any more space on this show. That's <laughs> well, Thank you so much for thinking of me. Potentially. Yeah, well, always, always generous, you know, in that capacity. All right, let's go back to our show, what we have coming up tomorrow on the program. Uh, nutritionist Julia Caranches is going to be talking about eating for a healthier liver. And again, I think this is one of those wonderful talks, just like we had last week with Leslie DePoe on Poison. This is another good one about taking care of ourselves and the things that we can do in time, Rum. Mm -hmm. And hobbies help us take care of ourselves, too. Tomorrow on Collection Slash Hobbies, we have our CEO and president of AMI joining us, David Arrington. He's talking about one of his favorite hobbies, golf. Or 
Yeah. You know that's from golf? No, I did not. Oh, my good heaven. Sorry, I, got, I have so uh, much to learn for tomorrow. Should be, yeah, please, bone up on it. Should be an amazing talk, of course, as usual. And I am still thinking of a blonde fedora, as yeah. we talked about at the top of the show. Or like colors blonde hair blonde. coming out of your fedora, or it would just no, be... No, a blondish oh. color. I don't like that. Oh, I like really? my idea. Yeah. Oh, I'll have fun with that one. <laughs> oh, I think I should just blonde my head. Talk to you tomorrow, folks. We're waving at you. Well, I've been doing it. And you know what that is, folks. You've known me long enough to know, uh, guys, got to have something to do with sports watching. I'm, I'm glad I can say I love my time sports watching since nowadays at least I, I can get a little more activity in with going out on my bike, not in the winter, or kayaking, not in the winter, but it's coming, it's coming, and, and I feel better than just saying, yeah, I had a great time sitting around with sports, sitting around with sports, that that sounds healthy, um, but lots of stuff to watch, I, I really have done it well between the World Baseball Classic Toronto Blue Jays throw in a little bit of Raptors, even though that has not been the happiest moments of my sports watching and getting ready for the March Madness. So there was some tournaments and that kind of thing. You know, it's interesting, too, when it comes to and I've mentioned this before, I've tend to watch the stuff. Well, I've also started to utilize things like tune in radio. And even though they're covering it via Fox Sports, it's been pretty good when it comes to listening in. It's almost like the announcers do have an awareness that people are just listening. You know, when they review a play or show something, we they may comment on it, they'll talk, but they recap it. So I've been trying to listen to it from that kind of ear. How much embedded description is actually here? How close to a broadcast on radio is this? And I'm anxious, I wish I had access to it, to be honest with you, to know how many people are consuming it from the TuneIn app, listening in like that, and may not even be aware. Because I wasn't at first for a little bit that, oh gosh, this is just the Fox TV broadcast. I don't know where my head was, but um, because I'm able to follow it, I'm able to get enough description. I think the hardest, and not all the crews are as good as others with it, but I think the hardest is when they go into break, sometimes they don't tell you the score. But most times they are, and usually it's one broadcast crew that may not be as depth about it as the other. So um, I find Fedora's off to what what they've been doing with the Fox broadcast and the coverage to tune in radio for making so much accessible. I have been really impressed with that. Uh, it's It's been just pleasant. So if you like that when it comes to World Baseball Classic, great. I'm anxious to see how my SiriusXM handles... March Madness. I wasn't impressed last year. I had to default to tune in, but now I think I got a good handle on it uh, when it comes to it. I've learned stuff as a year-long customer, so we'll see. This is sort of the conversation we had with Greg David, isn't it, about streaming services. How many darn services does one need? Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.